Hello, you're listening to Kamen Rider with me. This week, we take a look at the first episodes of Kamen Rider 5s and then continue our weekly recap of Kamen Rider 01, episodes 10 and 11. Ride with me, a podcast about stud-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington, and I, I am your expert. And I'm James Baker. I'm your newcomer. Ah, oh, so James, how are you feeling this week? Uh, I'm finally feeling wo- close to 100. percent Getting over the flu, feeling a lot better than last episode. Sorry about that, once again, guys. But I'm finally back to normal. Um, other than that, how have you been, man? I've been doing all right. I um, just a little too much work, but besides that, all right. Yeah, work Nothing starts to pick up during the holiday season. It's got to make some extra cash for presents and stuff. Yeah, but I'm picking it up, and hopefully I can put it down, but who knows? <laughs> uh, so, what are you looking at this week, man? Anything good or no? Yeah, this week I am. Uh, I just got through watching Frozen 2, which is kind of weird because I just watched the first one last week. And I just got back home from watching Frozen 2, and I actually liked it. Uh, I wouldn't say more than the first one, but this one definitely has like a mature feel to it. Um, Because, you know, when it's dropped, a lot of the kids were like in elementary and they're like in middle school, maybe going to high school now. So they have to like, you know, follow the age group that they're catering to. But uh, it was very interesting. I liked it. Um, Other than that, I just started rewatching Rick and Morty, (laughs) trying to catch up for uh, season four and uh, still watching The Mandalorian, man. How about you? What have you been watching? I saw Frozen 2. I thought it was fine. I don't know. Like, it's kind of not for me, so I'm not going to be, like, too critical. It was kind of boring for me. Um, I thought that The Mandalorian did a good job um, this week. Like, I was not a huge fan of the first episode, then it kind of has been, like, building up. This is a fun episode this week. Yeah, probably the uh, best episode so far of the season. Yeah, especially because it's like kind of like a soft reset, too. We kind of don't know what's going to, like, too much of what's going on after episode three. Yeah, um... Interesting thing about episode three for The Mandalorian, I just watched my first Akira Kurosawa film, and uh, man, I, I've been missing out, man. I watched Hidden Fortress, and I watched uh, Seven one. Samurai, and one of my friends on uh, Twitter told me that episode three of uh, The Mandalorian was actually inspired by Yojibo, or Yojimbo, I think that's what it's yeah. called. So I definitely yeah, have definitely to check that out, because I definitely love this episode, and um, you know, looking at the mythos behind Star Wars and how George Lucas was actually inspired by Akira Kurosawa makes me appreciate his work even more. And every time I look at a Star Wars movie now, I just see samurais walking around in a Western environment. So it's pretty sick. No, um, I helped um, TAA um, like course just on him. And uh, it's a very there's a lot that you see after that big hoe. You definitely like your colors are like in the cinema in a way that <laughs> yeah. like is wild. Mm-hmm. Like I've always heard he inspired George Lucas, but to actually see it like with my own eyes is amazing. Like, wow. Uh, just like his long angle shots and his depth of field shots and just his narrative in general is, is really, really good. So I can't wait to unpack 
and watch the rest of his uh, filmography. He's one of my favorite directors already. Just two films in. And like something that like I really love that uh, gets kind of lost in like later Star Wars movies is that you can see that there's kind of a purposeful use of like just how color and like shapes are used that like does really like not as masterfully, but still kind of call back to like just how you can see there are structures, there are shades. You could see like a scene out of context and know exactly what you should be feeling and what the characters are feeling. And like that does like carry over and stuff like just how things are like made and like made different, like in like very early star Wars and like very like foundational star Wars, which I really do like. Yeah. And even t- all the way down to the, like the side swipes, whenever they transition to a different scene, everything mm. is amazing. Yeah. So this week I've been watching, um, the expanse, which nobody, which it's not sure. Everybody told me about just, <laughs> And like, including like everybody whose opinion I really value told me about it and told me about it in ways where I should have been on it like years ago because it is like a thousand percent my shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's a like a um, just hard sci-fi like space opera kind of thing. Like it's about um, if you took something like BSG or like Game of Thrones and just kind of um, distilled that into something that could happen in the next like two hundred years. Like there's like stuff like there's people who are now like indigenous to space and cause they've never been in like real gravity. Like their limbs are longer. They can't stand like real like earth, like gravity and stuff. And like, it's like a very good, like when people were feeling like, Oh, like Game of Thrones is ending. What's going to be like the next big like show. I wish this had caught on like that. It's like going to get like a fifth season, I think, but still. Yeah. I remember, it's just uh... so good. I remember one of my friends a couple of years ago told me to get into it, but I just got done watching Battlestar Galactica. So I didn't want to hop into one space opera into another one, but I've only heard nothing but good things about the expanse, but I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. I did watch the pilot and the pilot was very interesting. I think it was like an investigation going on or something like that, uh, which seemed like a really good, uh, you know, pilot episode. And it's pretty fun, but I never really went back to go check it out. But uh, if you recommend it, I'll have to, find some time to sit down and check it out yeah it's definitely like people aren't as in to like hard sci-fi as like most fantasy like it does definitely turn some people away like that but still it's just a for you could tell me that it had like 10 or 20 times it's like actual budget and i would believe you of how like well they use what they have then they go through something like kind of uh some important problems like it was on sci-fi and sci-fi dropped it and somebody else picked it up yeah, Amazon picked it up for its fourth season. I'm 90% sure. I don't actually have that like in front of me. But I'm pretty sure after the end of the third season, there was a big campaign. And only recently, the fourth season started up. Okay. And people are like excited because they can swear and have like nudity now and have more violence. Hmm. But yeah. So it's definitely like could be being positioned as that kind of thing. But it's like is like a, a story about like society, not like people like, like much like something like Game of Thrones is. Yeah, I definitely have to check it out. Um, have you had the chance to check out that new uh, Star Wars game, The Fallen Jedi? No, I haven't. I've heard just so many good things. Just I haven't really had much time to like play games lately. Like unless I can like, like I'm playing like lots of like quick games, like Slay the Spire, like Spelunky, but nothing that like takes real time. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I heard it's like the best Star Wars game ever. <laughs> but uh, my favorite of all time is Kotar. So. It's mm-hmm. better than that. I definitely have to check it out. Oh, yeah. I would love to see them just like it, in the movies, just say, hey, 
this don't worry about canon this is just some cool shit happening Mm -hmm. like i would love them to say that or like this is so far outside of this space or time that it doesn't matter what happens here you know like like they're kind of in like this like weird like handcuffed to continuity like situation with a lot of their stuff they do yeah and i'm a fan of star wars but i wouldn't say i'm like a huge like die hard i read all the novels and i know all the other you know side quests that are taking place but um once you get into like that whole realm uh i heard the fan base is kind of hardcore and they kind of like shun you if you don't know the continuity and like like the back of your hand Yeah, they got rid of most of it, but people still love it. So it's hard to really know what'll like make people. It's kind of like um, if you're in the wrong place and you say something less than praise for like a band like Pantera. Like if you don't praise Pantera, like in some places, you get some people that are heated. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, yeah. continuity, are you watching uh, the Watchmen series on X Men? Or I said on X Men on HBO. <laughs> on X Men, yeah. <laughs> uh. No, I need to actually get HBO because I keep wanting to watch Barry. Watchmen seems way better than I thought it would be. Um, and like, I really want to watch like the righteous like gemstones. Yeah, Barry is really, really good. I really enjoy Barry. Um, it kind of reminds me of one of my old favorite shows, Dexter, but uh, it's a different spin on it. But uh, yeah, the Watchmen is really, really good. And uh, I was going to bring something up that happened in episode six, but I don't want to spoil it for you. But it definitely has the uh, fan base of the original novel, like up in arms. But uh, some people are actually digging it. But uh, whenever you check it out, we definitely have to come revisit this conversation. I think I uh, heard a little bit of rumbling, and I think if it's what I think it is, um, whenever um, they look at a character and make any kind of change, that should be <laughs> yeah, superficial. That's yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, but um, like speaking of watching the watchman on x-men uh, <laughs> last week last week i gave you a really bad description of what of that show uh but basically um i said common rider fies is like x-men kind of and that was a bad description of what the show is <laughs> that was a really bad description yeah i thought what you meant was like later on it starts taking on like a feel of x-men but the first three episodes definitely didn't feel like x-men <laughs> you tricked me <laughs> but um let's actually transition over to uh that conversation and uh, there will be spoilers here and then with that timestamp, you can also skip two common writer zero one episodes 10 and 11 standing by Complete. so this week we rolled on our dice and we saw um that of the 20 possible shows to look at we rolled on common writer fives which uh, is a Commander show that ran in 2003. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on Commander Fives, James? Um, my honest thoughts on it, I thought it was just okay. Um, you know, me being new to the Toku genre, I kind of prefer the narrative of Zero One more than Fives. But I did love the feel of Fives. Like it felt like a like a B-rated horror film, <laughs> uh, especially like the first episode. I love the perspective that they took from uh, Akiba, you know, a young guy in love, enjoying his life and, you know, making his moves. And then all of a sudden gets into a car crash and his mother and father dies and, you know, enters a coma. And when he wakes up, his girlfriend moves on and his uncle sells his home. So it's a really, really sad story about uh, Akiba. And I was watching it with the lens of, I thought that he was going to be the writer. 
And then they switched it to uh, Kamuki or Ka- Kakumi, Takumi. I'm butchering his name, Takumi. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, Takumi being a writer, that kind of threw me off. But, I mean, Takumi, uh, I mean, he's like a drifter, so it's kind of hard to get a read on him. Uh, I really don't know what kind of guy he is. He seems like a douche. <laughs> and his relationship with Chi is kind of weird. It feels like, or not Chi, but um, Mari is more like a yeah, brother-sister type thing. So it's kind of annoying at times. Like, they don't see huh. eye to eye at all. Um, just just from the first three episodes, I don't I don't know if it gets better over time. But uh, as far as the rider suit, I absolutely love uh, this rider suit. Um, I was a fan of the fight scenes, but I did wish that he had a weapon at the beginning of the first or the second episode when he fought, or the first episode when he fought. But in episode three, he finally displayed his weapon, so it, that kind of like had me excited to see that. But uh, overall, I thought it was okay. Um, the soundtrack reminds me of, you know, like a retro 80s feel. So it was okay. Some of the songs didn't really hit for me. But but overall, um, I thought it was decent. So yeah, um, for Common Rider Fies, it is uh, the first Japanese toku show that I watch. It does have a, like a special place in my heart for that. Um, I do genuinely like really love it, though. It's such a weird little show, though. Um, I, for, for me, like, I think that... Um, the characters are, are are like very interesting. Um, I there's basically three kinds of like protagonists for Common Rider. There's um, the idiot, the asshole, and the shy. And um, we have the idiot in zero one, <laughs> and like and like right here we have the asshole. Yeah, but yeah, weirdly enough, the thing that um, I most was surprised like that you said was that. Um, you thought they had more of like a brother sister vibe because they have like the to me it seems like they have like the most like romantic tension of like most straight pair like common rider like characters because there's not a lot of like great romance that isn't like tinged by like unintentional or sub or like subtextual like home like eroticism so i was kind of like oh but they kind of have like a real chemistry to me with how much they don't like each other. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like later on in the season, I could definitely feel it. But at the beginning, it was more of like a, why are you saving me? Why are you here? Why do you do this? Do that. And then I do the opposite of what you say. It just kind of felt, it felt kind of naggy, um, to be honest. But I did think it was weird that he just shows up, puts on a rider belt, and then like leaves and doesn't even ask any questions about what happened. He just comes in, like, puts it on and just fights it, and he's like, I'm leaving now. So that was kind of weird to me as well. Yeah, um, it's kind of a weird place. Um, That first episode is, like, a weird fake-out, almost. Mm -hmm. Because there are, like, a couple, like, tropes for, for, like, what, like, a common writer is. Um, For uh, this show, for, like, Takumi, um, he's probably actually the first canon asshole writer. Uh, so it would have been surprising to see like um, when she gets like tracked down by that, like one dude, like on like his like very bright, like primary colors, like prominent Honda logo motorcycle where he's just like dressed like the protagonist from the previous series and is like, Hey, what's up? Let's hang out. Like he was coded to seem kind of like the main character almost like, and then to to see him like immediately like get like killed off like that is like fun 
from my point of view. Like this whole like this whole first episode, we don't meet one of the three primary characters, and the one they choose not to meet is the one who like would be the most important in like any other show, you know? Right. That did psych me out for sure because I started off watching it thinking that like I like I said, I thought Kiba was gonna be the writer. And then when they're in a restaurant, uh you know, Mari was talking to the other guy and I thought he was the writer. And then all of a sudden the guy with the long hair shows up and just puts on a belt and they're like, oh, it's this guy. So that was kind of interesting to watch it like that. I do like um, how we don't actually meet him and, and like just to say, oh, I'm actually just somebody whose bag got stolen. Yeah. And that's why like I'm here. Because like a lot of the other, most other common writers kind of were like, oh no, somebody's in danger. I'm going to put this thing on. Or, oh no, I've been like abducted by this like cult and now they made me like this thing. So to see him just kind of be like, oh, and then like also how later he's just like, okay, bye, take this belt. And then she's like, hey, wait, 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 you can fight the monsters. You should stay. He's like, nope. That's like really fun to me. Yeah, I can see where that could be fun at because you get tired of seeing the same narrative over and over. So with that, it changes the narrative and it's more interesting because it's, it's something that you did not expect. But, uh, you know, going from Aruto to Takumi is like polar opposites. <laughs> so <laughs> I was going into it thinking that he was always like the writer is always a good guy from the beginning. So that, that did kind of throw me off. I definitely have like some bias, but like, um, this is like a show, uh, that's also from like an era when, um, these were dramas first and they were like, okay, we have to have three minutes of fighting like in this episode, but we're also going to like mostly have this weird road story of us like doing campfires on our way to Tokyo or whatever, like while we're on motorcycles or whatever, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting that like that's the path they choose for the like start of the series is like just let's do like a motorcycle trip while we're being hunted by these weird dudes. Yeah, it was a couple. It was one in episode two where they're, like uh, Marie went with these random guys to go take photos <laughs> and then she finds a dead body. And then in episode three, she's like driving this guy around that's trying to do good deeds, you know, like taking like people's uh, clothes from the cleaners, paying for people's stuff. And that was kind of interesting to see like that kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, like playing a game and doing like side quests. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah. And this is like a show that does definitely settle down into here's where we're at. And here's what we're doing, and here are the characters. But like, for how many shows like don't spend time outside of like, we're at this mystic like donut shop or whatever. Like, I do like that they spend some time just to have like a weird road story. So for episode two, what did you generally like think there of like getting to know him as this like weird asshole? Like, he won't eat like hot foods and like <laughs> the whole situation. I did wonder why I'm like. Why does he keep blowing the coffee so freaking much? He like blew it like for like five minutes and then he finally sipped it. Um, I thought that's pretty interesting. And uh, I was more concerned or I was more wondering what the hell is a Noko Jito boy is. I never got a chance to look it up. Do you know? Yeah, like a cat tongue. It's like a regional, like local insult for like you are like a person who can't have spicy foods because you're not a like proper adult or what have you. Oh, okay. So it's like calling him like immature boy, kind of. Yeah, basically. I like his little arc of him just being a very unlikable like protagonist. How the contrast like with Kiba, who is just kind of like this weird kind of like um, grief porn situation for the first couple episodes. It's like, oh, my parents died. 
my house got sold, all that. Like, it's like everything bad that could happen to him does. Mm -hmm. He kind of like realizes, oh, wait, I kind of freaked out and killed my cousin. And now, like, I can't even commit suicide. Like, that was kind of funny to see, like, oh, yeah, like jumped off a building and woke up. Yeah, jumped off a bridge and thought he was dead and couldn't even do that. And then it was kind of sad. I think one of the phrases that he kept hearing over and over was like, um, you were dead. You're supposed to stay dead or something like that. I'm like, damn, that is so fucked up. And then he finally tries to rekindle the flame with his ex. And then, you know, they're like talking and she's just getting investigated for the murder of her, her boyfriend or her husband or whatever it was. And then she flips the script and said it was, you know, Kiba. That was a shocker. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. And that was like the the last straw for him. And now he's like completely in the dark side now and joins whatever force he's about to join. But uh, yeah, I really like that whole. Uh, how she like turned the page on him. I thought she was going to like actually take him back and try to be with him. But for her to like tell the detectives that he killed her husband, it was kind of, you know, different. I feel really bad for her though. Cause like from her perspective, she was dating somebody like her first boyfriend, like she's like 17, his whole family dies and he's in the coma. And then like, she spends like a year like at his bedside. And like during that, like meets like his cousin stops going there. It's like, okay. I'll try living now or whatever. And then he comes back to life and it's just like, like she didn't really do too much wrong there. She just kind of, it's kind of like, it's got to be hard for her too. That situation. Yeah. It was hard for her until she told the cops that he killed her husband. <laughs> that was kind of like what, what ruined it for me. I did feel sorry for her until she did that. And, uh, for his uncle to sell the house and not tell him was kind of lame too. Could have been honest with him from the get, from the get go. Yeah. Um, There's like a weird kind of uh, they definitely do this with like the main cast um, for the people who uh, become orphanox and like die and all that, um, where they kind of get to see their own funeral and they don't like what they see. And uh, we kind of see that like a little bit um, person who dies becomes like a monster in like Yuka. Now, what do you think of her story? Oh, that was kind of really messed up. Um. You know, she's getting good grades and her sister is not getting admired. And her sister is pretty much, you know, turning her back on her own sister for her friends. Uh, I think one of the moments in that episode was like she went up to her sister and said, give me the lunch money or something like that, or they're going to cut your purse yep. or something like that. So uh, you don't really see that too, op- uh, too often in uh, shows. And I thought that was a really good narrative for that episode, too. Yeah, and, like, her whole, like, she's basically, like, a female Harry Potter. She's just, like, this unwanted, like, child in this house where, like, her sibling can do, like, nothing wrong. Just constantly being, like, berated and all this stuff. And, yeah, um, like, she she has it rough. And uh, we get to meet another character of, like, Caterer through her. Uh, He's, yeah, he's probably, like, my least favorite of the main cast. He's just kind of, like, somebody who wants to do the right thing all the time. Yeah, he was like a little bit too good uh, for me. And uh, Marie kept trying to tell him, like, people are taking advantage of you. And he was like, no, they won't. They will never do that. And I'm like, there's no way this guy is this naive. But I guess it was a a good uh, way to show people that you could be nice, but don't let people take advantage of you. Like a good hidden message in the episode. But uh, this guy was definitely going to take advantage of. He was buying people steaks. Yeah, and like paying for stuff that he didn't was supposed to do. And she was like, why is a delivery guy paying for this? And he was like, it's what people do. No, I think like sometimes like there could be like an issue with Kamen Rider where they'll be like, 
we should probably have somebody who's like allegorically nice, who's like a fable in themselves to balance his <laughs> cast out. Yeah, he definitely was a fable. Yeah, he was too good for me. No. Um, Does he stick around for a while? Yeah, he definitely takes a backseat. There's like another main cast member that like shows up in the next like in the next one or two episodes who's a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let me try and pitch for this character. Imagine like uh, Is he an X-Men? <laughs> he is not an X-Men, no. <laughs> if he was, he'd probably be kind of like a part Gambit, part Wolverine. Mm. Uh, he's basically like this um, just complete like misanthrope, like just kind of is constantly ready to make a scene and just kind of like does not like people um, that much. But um, he just kind of like finds out that he has these powers and is just like, huh, I better go stir shit up at my own college. I should probably <laughs> like get back at like these people that like didn't hire me, that kind of stuff. That's a lot more interesting. No, um, this show has definitely not settled in these episodes into what it's going to be. But yeah, so like I like the fight scenes a lot. here. Like I do like seeing how like he fights like his little like wrist flick is my favorite thing in the world. I like his uh, running kick. That was really good, too. What do you think about um, his uh, kick where he kind of like drills and phases through people? Oh, yeah. I didn't expect that. That was really cool, too. I like the animation that they put behind that, too. Um, But yeah, uh, I was thinking that all he had was a kick this whole time. But in episode three, he pulls out a gun uh, from the like little cell phone thing he has. I guess that's the key for this series. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was pretty cool to see him actually have other devices other than a powerful kick. His whole thing is that like it's all meant to be like disguised as like products from a tech company. So it's like, here's my phone that can transform, but also be a gun. Here's my flashlight that can make me kick through people. Here's my camera that can be a like brass knuckles or whatever. Okay, I was trying to figure out the theme for this show too, because uh, you kind of educated me on the theme for Zero One. Mm-hmm. So okay, now I get it. And what was the, what are the, what are the, like the Magir names for this show? I forget. They're Orphanox? Yeah, Orphanox. So what's the theme behind them? You know how you said every series has a theme behind uh, their like monsters or villains? I think they're mostly animal and plant themed. Like, I don't know if they have like a thing, um, but. <sighs> yeah, it was like one horse, one elephant, and I think that's the, and then it was like a mermaid thing <laughs> in the first episode. They're mostly like meant to be like like what is the next stage of like what human evolution is. So there's lots of like references to like weird like mythology and like forms of like biblical creatures, that kind of thing. Like it's meant to be that, like a like more mythological human animal merge kind of thing. Okay. Uh yeah. But no, it's not as um as set as these are all meant to be extinct creatures, like with the Magir. Uh yeah. Um I do really like um the way this show has a like certain sense of um it's just more weighty when they do fight a little bit because there's like in most shows they'll kind of just have the writer always have their belt whenever they need it. In this show, it's like, okay, you better have it on you. Like we better see it there or else it doesn't count. Which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So closing thoughts. What are your thoughts on this show as kind of the um, early drama with just a little bit of action of Kamen Rider? 
Yeah, well, like you said, it wasn't a lot of fighting, so it was more like a uh, a drama for sure. Um, from the three episodes, I enjoyed it. Uh, I would keep watching it, but uh, I'm kind of obsessed with Zero One right now, and I think it's kind of like blurring my memory between episodes, to be honest. But uh, mm-hmm. it was very interesting. Like I said before, I like the tone of it. It feels like it's more at stake with this show. Um, the opening scene for this season was pretty sick. It, f- it reminded me like of uh, the game Half Life, <laughs> whenever the scientists were like okay. in the lab and like the monsters come in and kill them. So that was pretty interesting, though. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not really big on Takumi to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. He just seems like a douche, and it's kind of hard to read. But um, I do like how they, ch- like you said, they changed it up from the previous writer. So that was good for the show. But uh, it's just not my cup of tea. But the guy you brought up earlier <laughs> that finds out he has powers and goes back to, you know, wreak revenge on everybody else is way more interesting to me. How I set up this um, list of common writer shows was basically that, like, there would be, like, a brief intro of here's, like, two to four episodes of, like, introduction to what the show is. And then here's, like, a, a like, couple episodes that might just be good and make you a fan of it. Mm-hmm. So for this show, it's um to get uh, to be introduced is to look at um, like one through three and then to uh, to know if you're going to be a fan is to look up to episode eight. So four through eight. So if you are like at home and you want to like to know for this show, it's pretty simple. Um, the first three episodes do tell you like a good chunk, but it definitely settles into itself and has it's like what will be it's like very strong arcs going forward by episode eight. And like that, that eighth episode, you do meet like a lot of the better characters in that last like five episode chunk. And you uh, do get what is commonly referred to as one of the best episodes of what is just like the broader Toku canon as well. And this is number eight, eight. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely check it out to that episode eight. I'll give it a shot. But um, just one thing I do want to mention um, towards the show is this is a very popular show in Japan. Like um, they're still doing stuff with, like these cast members today and the show came out in like 2003 wow like yeah i feel like a douche now for like i wouldn't say i was bashing it (laughs) but i feel like a douche now (laughs) no um, sorry guys it's just three episodes in you know you can't really fall in love like that but uh it was decent i wouldn't say it was horrible no yeah it's it's your thoughts whatever it's like very popular but it's also very uneven like that's completely fair it has a weird ending it's strange. Um, it's like the one that like people like if there's somebody like that you follow on Twitter who like makes movies in Japan, like you ask them what Kamen Rider they like, chances are like, it'll be this one kind of thing. Um, but no, um, like last year they had a collab with um, Hello Kitty and they made like Hello Kitty versions of these riders from 2003 and like 2018 or 2019. Oh, that's fire. <laughs> Uh, this year they put out a new manga <laughs> for this. Damn. Series. Yeah. Uh, last year for the 20th anniversary, this was the only of the first 10 common writers besides the anniversary series that had the characters come back for 18 episodes and the first ever like common writer that got a, a like that got a form for the common writer in that like series. So it's popular. It's a well like show. Um, they brought back like some part of the main cast for that. So it's got some love. Um, but one thing to note is um, they've done lots of movies with lots of like alumni 
from the shows, um, like and like brought back like this character from this season, this character this season. I'd say that um, <clears throat> Kamen Rider Fies is probably one of the top three series for getting posts like like post series kind of like story and character resolution. Um, and that's a weird thing to say, but like uh, in a movie in 2015, they come back to like Takumi years later and like just focus on him in this like big, pretty like major storyline about like what if the writers from the seventies and the writers from the like from the late two thousands um, got into like a big major like civil war. He's one of the major characters in that. Mm-hmm. Then like a year later, they do a special that basically is about somebody trying to alter timelines just so that he won't be sad anymore. It's a whole <laughs> thing <laughs> like this. Oh, these characters man. get a lot of love. Um, <laughs> they, But no, um, it's all right. If you hate Japanese culture, it's fine. No, I wouldn't say I hate it. I do no, want. I do I, want to hear I'm, from you guys, the listeners, if I should give it a shot until episode eight. So you got to definitely email us, or uh, we'll put a poll up on Twitter and let let me know if I should continue this journey into uh, Fies or not. Just to be clear, that was a joke, and you know, stole it, so it makes me the <laughs> asshole. But uh, yeah, definitely. Um, like it's worth noting for like these shows to know um, how they do get like treated after, because like this is a very kind of like meta series that will look back at their stuff but for for like each show that we talk about i will mention how they go back to it years later and like what that post series kind of like love is and this is probably pretty high for like stuff that like this franchise has like come back to compared to most shows yeah the way you're talking about it kind of reminds me or kind of reminds me of uh how the Power Ranger franchise kind of treats mighty more from Power Rangers. Like they bring back Tommy every every time they get a chance to, uh, they freaking love that guy. So it kind of sounds like Takumi is treated like a Tommy for uh, you know American fans of Power Rangers. He's kind of like uh, crap. Who's the one? He's kind of like um, the Red Ranger from In Space of like Kamen Rider fan. If that makes sense. Okay, so he's not as popular as Tommy. Like they still have like the like original actor who's like in his seventies now, like show up once in a while and have a movie. Okay, so he would be Tommy. Yeah, but like he's definitely like a popular, like in the top ten like main characters like up there probably. But no, um, let's actually move over and uh, talk towards Kamen Rider Zero One episodes ten and eleven. Authorize. A jump to the sky turns to a rider kick. And we are back to look at episodes 10. I am an actor, Shinwa Awada. Episode 11, Don't Stop the Camera, Stop That Guy of Kamen Rider 01. Now, but first, let's actually look over to our links. And you'll see there is a drive link right there, James, to a trailer for the December movie of Kamen Rider 01. Oh, shit. You didn't tell me what this was. All right. We just watched that like first trailer for the movie and what's your reaction james um my trailer didn't have subtitles so i don't know exactly what's going on but the suits look amazing like they put a lot of money into these suits for these movies and every time you show me a clip or a image of uh you know the writers from a movie i'm always highly impressed but it looks like a lot lot of action is going on um but as far as like the narrative i really can't tell what's happening 
so most of those writers were from the past season, which was like a whole like time travel like thing, which you wouldn't recognize. But um, it seems like it got retconned that the worst possible thing happened, and like the world of zero one is being like taken over by like human gears kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we get to see that we uh, we see Aruto versus his dad, which is a pretty major thing to do outside of the series. But you know. These shows definitely uh, sometimes just have really important stuff happen in a movie that you can't see for like most of like a year. Like if you're like a Western fan, which is kind of frustrating sometimes. But yeah, because it said December something, so we won't get it until when? Uh, till it comes out on Blu-ray, which might be close to like June oh, or like wow. May. Yes, yeah, so we won't know. So this week we had like a, a small arc to cover the filming of a movie. In the Kamen Rider Zero One, so what, um, for the, for the first episode, episode ten, what do you think, James? Uh, episode ten by itself wasn't a whole lot going on, but uh, I do love the choice of having a uh, human gear as an actor in his film, and uh, the famous actor, uh, Mister Owada, who who I found out was actually like a really f- actor himself, and he went by his name in this episode. I was pretty uh, shocked when I found that out, but uh. Other than that, um, we finally got the confrontation between uh, Yua and Fua uh, about why does she record uh, the human gear attacking and send it to the media. So that was very interesting. And I was surprised that Izu dropped the news at the beginning of the episode. I thought it was something that was going to linger on for a while. But uh, I like how they went forward in a narrative with that uh, in this episode. And uh, yeah, NG is kind of hard to read. I really don't know if... uh, Owada is prejudiced against human gears in general by this episode, or if he really thinks that Ng can't act at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Then towards the end, we finally got to see the face behind uh, uh, Zaya. So uh, that left on a really good cliffhanger. Uh, what were your thoughts on episode ten? There's a lot to unpack, but um, like, so last week we talked about um, the current Sentai like Rue Soldier, and um, in the past two weeks it's come out that um for that show the staff is like frustrated because like they're trying to like they want to do like new things but the management is like telling them no like keep it old school that kind of stuff like make it feel like these shows like from the 90s and 80s and like um that's kind of like the opposite of what we see here where in like a lot of shows in the past like 20 years that like do want to have that like week-to-week drama you get like characters keep it secrets for way too long like how many shows do we know where you could resolve so many conflicts by just saying talk to each other and i was glad that we saw for izu just okay just gonna lay it out there Mm -hmm. just gonna say hey like here's what's going on and not like have that be like a secret for like 20 episodes or whatever which is nice yeah i really really like that like i said before i thought this was something that we had to deal with for (laughs) a lot of episodes to come but for her to be like Yo, you did this, <laughs> and what are you going to do about it? And for them to actually confront each other in this episode was really, really good. And I like the dialogue they had towards the end whenever uh, Yua said, uh, I think Fua protected her from getting attacked. And she said, why did you do that? And he said, you would do it for me, right? And she said, yeah. But she was like, but you do know that I will potentially betray you. And he said, well, whenever that time comes, we'll get to it. So I did like how... No matter what, they're still partners to this point until something happens. Yeah, she seems really conflicted, I think, 
for just like in the aftermath of the past like couple episodes like for you i mean that she kind of realizes that she's like committed to a side that is willing to be very duplicitous and to like use people like for its own ends so she's kind of like very like questioning and like she, she's kind of lost her, her cool a little bit because she is letting things be said that maybe she should like keep closer to like her chest or like letting things be known so it's definitely it feels like she's at a crossroads yeah it has a feel to it like she may come back to the side of uh hidden intelligence um in the future but uh we forgot to mention our boy the return of mr assassin <laughs> yeah, this guy will not go away <laughs> he <laughs> i really do love him in that weird hat and that wig he just looks so ridiculous yeah, and I loved his reaction while he was watching the film. He's like, oh, this guy's a real assassin. He's like mimicking, you know, uh, Owada's moves and stuff. And then he actually asks him to teach him how to, you know, be an assassin. And which is funny because in the next episode, he actually, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll get to it whenever we get there. But uh, um, one more thing before we move on. Uh, how many pro guys... Gro- Progress keys does this guy have the guy behind Zaya? <laughs> he just has so many yeah. on his desk. I'm like, wow, like he's ready for anything. There's definitely like a thing that happens sometimes with um with these shows that like, okay, uh this isn't a form change. This is just something that makes your like attacks like go weird for a second, which is fine because like I'm not sure if we need like a hedgehog form or whatever is going on. Yeah, it's a lot of different weird keys being thrown around now <laughs> but that uh, like ceo's name is gaia matsu so guy and guy um is just like this like young handsome asshole who's just like i'm gonna like take things over blah 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 and seems to like he seems to be like playing this longer game and um i'm a little worried for you honestly she definitely doesn't seem like she's happy with the war that she's winning yeah, and like you said a couple episodes before, you're saying she doesn't really know what she's getting herself into, like she's being taken advantage of. And you could definitely see it in this episode that she has no idea what's going on. She's kind of like just got roped up. And that's why I think that this guy has something over her, unless she's just super naive. I don't know. I think she trusts um, in capitalism, <laughs> and that's her downfall. Mm-hmm. But no, um, she definitely does seem like she just is taking him at his word is my read of it. And that's not good for this like weird young CEO. I um do want to go back to, I was really surprised by um how they did like the like little assassin and um like Shinya thing uh, where I thought like, Oh, like I'm going to make him my new like acting partner. And like, that would be the tension or whatever. But instead it's just like, Oh, like you're like a young fan who likes to do my, stunts and you're really good at them in this random park <laughs> in this random park in the middle of the night i'm like that's an awkward place to meet up and just start you know doing dialogue <laughs> um another thing that i liked about this episode was that uh Fuwa's injury was still in effect in this episode i thought they were going to be like oh he's 100 healed now but he was getting his ass whooped by jen and uh dodo in this episode and the fight scenes are pretty good in this one too we see that um for like the assassin he's getting like stronger than they can handle yeah he is definitely like a, 
Yeah, I made a joke to myself when I was watching. I was like, this guy's like a Super Saiyan. <laughs> like, you know how like in Saiyans and Dragon Ball Z, every time they fight and lose, they get like even stronger than they were before. So that was pretty funny. I'm like, this guy's a Super Saiyan. And his new suit looks pretty good too. He even got new weapons yeah. for his upgrade. Got like chest guns and like shoulder missiles and all this stuff. And like, he can like tank punches. Like, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny because the first time we saw, you know, him when he transformed, we were kind of down on his suit. Remember? We were like, oh, that's not that impressive. It's all right. And then like now he's like, new year, new me. <laughs> it's nice, too, that they keep putting respect on like Hirobi, though, because uh, he tanked a kick from Breaking Mammoth. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. That was insane. Like, I honestly don't know how Aruto can't even handle Hirobi at this point. Like, Hirobi is like OP as fuck right now. Like he's like God tier. Like there's nobody messing with Hirobi right now. And that was a move out of desperation for uh, Aruto to go into uh, Breaking Mammoth to try to even damage him and nothing happened at all. And uh, in this episode, episode 11, it was some really, really good camera work. It was like one shot that was directly behind Aruto when he was charging towards Hirobi, which was sick. It was an amazing, uh, amazing shot. Um, and all the, like the over the shoulder shots of Aruto fighting Hirobi just showed how powerful he is. Cause he's just doing moves effort effortlessly. And, uh, man, uh, it was like a preview at the end. It shows like he gets a new suit. So, um, I guess that's how he's going to answer the strength of Hirobi right now. But what'd you think about the battle? There's this one moment where, um, Hirobi turns around and is walking away from Aruto <laughs> and still dodging his attack. It's like, okay. Yeah, that's the difference here. Like, um, I think that they're definitely like setting up. So like Hirobi is going to be like either he's going to be like defeated by like the power up for the first time or like he's going to be um, like keeping with it compared to like instead of just giving him like multiple power ups too, because like they still want to have like some danger going on if he can match like first one or two power ups. But no, um, him and the assassin both seem to be like level two or level three threats compared to like where like the rest are at, like just like their first level or whatever. And I think um, that's going to be fun that they've maybe looked at some issues with like the power curve or whatever, like in, in like previous shows and said, okay, let's just establish early on this other league so that it's not as weird when things keep amping up and amping up, you know? Yeah. And that's like one of my favorite things or, one of the main things I look for shows that, uh, you know, like are kind of shonen based, uh, especially in anime, um, whenever the, the main character isn't the strongest person in the show. And like we keep saying, uh, we feel like Yua is the strongest writer at the moment because uh, she seems like she could like handle her own. But uh, I love when the villain is pretty much <laughs> unstoppable. Uh, kind of reminds me of like whenever uh, Goku fought Frieza. And he had to go Super Saiyan to beat him. And uh, mm -hmm. just shows like Dragon Ball Z overall, whenever the villain is so strong that the main character has to f figure out a way to beat this guy. And I'm really enjoying that. And um, like one thing too, in the preview for next time, um, episode 12, which um, we did like originally say that we were going to cover, but it, it did like come out slightly late for us to have that subbed. Uh, so we did not this week, but for next time we will um but basically um in the shot like you see um roby and Jin like they're fighting like 
but you see Hirobi is fighting minions, and then like Jin is getting like rocked by like the assassin. So it's like okay, like it's almost like we're gonna make sure that this character we're hyping up doesn't fight this other character because like we want them to stay hyped and not like actually like deal with someone like in their league, you know? Because mm-hmm. like I like that they're like being a little careful and be like, okay, let's make sure that we keep things interesting here, not just power up city or whatever. I um do like that they lost like in this arc too. Like they just kind of got their asses kicked the whole time, which is fun. Yeah. Not just by fighting, but the company Hidan uh, intelligence took a huge hit this episode. Um, you know, they went out trying to create this drama to get their credibility back. And, you know, uh, Shinya decides to drop out of the show. He's like, forget this. I don't want to work with this guy. And they have to convince him to come back to the show. And, I was actually surprised that he had a change of heart and uh, he actually took on the challenge of, you know, coaching NG into being an actor. And then that backfired literally <laughs> whenever Mr. Assassin shows up and fucking shoots him and yeah. everybody's fucking shocked. They're like, what the hell? And to make matters worse, Hirobi shows up and he's like, uh, the, the goal of a human gear is to destroy all humans. Like, and they're like broadcasting <laughs> yeah. this shit and like, Everybody knows Human Gear is behind, you know, killing one of the most popular actors in this universe. And it's everywhere. And then this is like one of the major moments throughout the show that uh, Aruto's faced with a choice to either sell the company or actually, you know, keep trying to go. Because this guy, Gaia, or Guy, is a fucking boss. Like, he orchestrated this whole thing to a masterful level. Like, he even predicted that. Um, Hirobi was going to show up and just, you know, announce this and Mr. Assassin was going to uh, kill uh, Awada. So this guy definitely is playing his cards right. So um, speaking of, I really enjoyed that uh, Aruto, whenever he, he met a uh, guy, uh, that was a cool scene too. Yeah, that was like a lot of fun just to see him kind of be like, oh, we're in your office and you have like Ropas' cards and I'm just kind of <laughs> a clown. Yeah, he was definitely out of his element. In, in like Sentai, for example, they'll do stuff where they just have like a big like fight like in their like Zords at the start of an episode or something, and then like they won't do it at the end. I liked how this episode did that where they introduced their like new suit for the two episode arc and like it was there for like two seconds in one fight scene in the background, basically. Yeah. Here's this new like brand new design we made for just to like just to mess like this one room up. Um, and we do see that they have a, a Zetsu Marai's key now. So who knows what's going on. But Zaya is going to do something soon. I know it. like they're going to make a bigger move. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing whether uh, Aruto decides to sell this company or not. And why the hell hasn't he fired this guy yet? The guy that's always trying to, you know, take over. <laughs> Like a uh, Jun, yeah, yeah. Like Aruto is so naive towards this guy. Like this guy is not trying to help him out at all. Like he just needs to fire this guy. But uh, so aggravating. No, I do want to see like where this goes. Like I would like to see like even like an arc where like it's like okay, you can't be like a like you're not the president because we like kicked you out. There's somebody else that is like coming out of zero one for like these like one or two episodes. Well, I doubt things stay it stays as a functioning company with him at the head for the whole show 
Yeah, because every episode is getting worse and worse. Like, he can't catch a break. <laughs> and also, this is a, like, 49-episode show or 48-episode show. We're, like, in episode 10. I, I'm really wondering what's gonna... We don't even have, like, too much of an... We don't know if, like, these are gonna be, like, the villains at all. Yeah. Like, in, like, 20 episodes, which is great. Yeah, whenever I looked at the uh, episode list for Fives, I saw it stopped at 50. I'm like, wow, we're just now beginning this podcast and, you know, dissecting these episodes one by one, or two by two, or sometimes three by three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depending, depends. depending on which week it is, but uh, what I'm trying to say is, like, we're still at the beginning of the show. We still don't have any answers to a lot of the questions that we need to be answered. Like, what the hell is Guy actually trying to do? Like, why is he trying to buy hidden intelligence? Uh, will Hirobi su- succeed in, like, you know, taking over? And I don't know. I really can't predict anything at this point, to be honest. Do you have any uh, ideas of what could possibly happen next? I think that um, short term, we're maybe transitioning out of just, like, the, like, beginning arc, like, that's also about like Matsubulu, like Jinra, and we're gonna go towards like Zaya as the main like force. And then who knows, like maybe that like shifts around or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if like there's a point where it's like, and now we've reached singularity, or and now hidden shut down and you're working out of this like one basement or something. Like I wouldn't like I'm not sure. Wow, it could like but, take that route. I mean <laughs> I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's one show that like I'm dreading when we roll it on the common Rider game we have because <laughs> there is no good way to actually explore. It's a show that follows a city. It starts with people having fun and being teens. And by the end, like it is like walking dead up in there. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Damn. Yeah, it's a weird I, I one. I kind of want to roll it now just to see like the first three episodes. Well, yeah, for next time, like if um, we want, um, we could come back to like at some point, like Commander Fives, but for next time, we are going to look at episodes uh, 12 and 13 of Commander Zero One. All right. Um, so we should go through really quick, James, and roll for our Common Rider game. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Pull up a D20 for me. Uh, forgot how to do that. You said D20? Yep. All right. And on that D20, James, what'd you get? I got number 11. Okay. <laughs> Is this another X-Men uh, show? <laughs> no. Um, I'll stop making fun of you about calling the X-Men. It was a bad one. It was a bad <laughs> one. This one has a slightly easier description. So this is Kamen Rider Double or Kamen Rider W. Um, this is a series based off hard-boiled detective novels. Oh, I love detective stuff. It is um, the first of the Neo Heisei era, which is basically the second 10 years of the past 20 years of Kamen Rider before Zero One. Um, it's the definite shift in tone and like focus for the, for the franchise. Um, it comes just after the end of the big like multiverse show decade. Um, it's notable because um, it is about a... a um, it's about a de- detective agency. There isn't a main common writer. There are two. Mm. So common writer double is there's a detective named Shodoro and a um and his partner Philip and Philip can access 
the world's information like a library. So whenever they transform into Kamen Rider Double, Philip's consciousness inhabits one half of the body of Shotaro. And they're like fighting together. Okay. And they're split down the middle. I uh, Googled, Googled it after I rolled it. And I noticed that the uh, suit is split in half. So that kind of explains why it's two sides yeah. of the suit. That's sick. So first thoughts really quick on the like suit. What do you think? I fucking love this suit. This suit is badass. It's like um, one of my favorite suits I've seen so far. Uh, and the way you describe the show, anytime you like say detective or solving the case or anything like that, I am all in. I love shows like that. So definitely looking forward to checking out Karma Rider Double. So Philip is actually named after Philip Marlowe too, just to give you that. Okay. Right, right there. Uh, but yeah, so um, I'm going to say that for Karma Rider Double, we can look episodes one and through two or episodes one through four. If I had to say strongly, I would recommend looking at one through four and just for two weeks from now, like we'd have six episodes total. But um, here's the thing. Comrader doubles villains. You get maybe perhaps the best introduction to them in episodes three and four of any Comrader villains. It, this show kind of has like a slow start and kind of some gimmicky first monsters, but meeting the villains of the show and getting to see they're weird, kind of like fucked up, like weird, like rich people, like family dynamic <laughs> is very fun. And you said that's three or four or both. Um, so for next time, like let's do episodes 12 and 13 of Common Rider Zero One and then one and two Common Rider Double. And then after that, we'll go to three and four. Yes, let's do that. All right. That sounds good to me. Um, and just one note, Common Rider Double, we will actually have to talk about the music that show it has are you a fan or uh it has some good ones has some weird ones so what year does this take place is this like a 90s 80s 2000 2010 2010 yeah so comrade five is 2003 is 2010 okay yeah i'm looking forward to this one and james um where (laughs) people find you when you're not talking about stuntfield shows uh you can find me on twitter at popcornet also um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the same user, PopcultNet. All right. You can find me at James Forge on Twitter. And you can find the podcast at Common Ride With Me, hashtag Common Ride With Me, CommonRideWithMe.com. And send us emails at podcast at CommonRideWithMe.com. And as always, thanks to Berserk for use of our theme song, Common Ride Love Song. And if you do leave a review on iTunes, we will shut you out in the podcast. And if you do on another service, please let us know. And we will do our best to shut you out as well. So, James, till next time, do the ends justifies the mean? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the theme song. Oh, okay. <laughs> you threw me off with that one. You never said that before. I was like, what? I'm <laughs> not just randomly saying trolley problem. Should we push one person in the train tracks to save five? <laughs> I thought you wanted me to finish your sentence or something. Like, we didn't plan this. Too much pressure. No. <laughs> Till next time. What time do you have egg salad? <laughs> Thursday. Till next time, guys. <laughs> Peace. Till next time. Peace. Oh, man. That was man. Bloopers. Man, when I said, like, you don't respect Japanese culture, you just didn't even respond. I was like, fuck.
I, I knew you were joking, so I was like, you know what? <laughs> Just gonna fucking drag me right there. 